Welcome, hockey fans. It is Tuesday, June 26th, and you are listening to From the Press Box here on the AHL Report. I am your host, Amy Johnson, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report, and I'm joined, of course, every week by my wonderful co-host, the always fabulous Mr. Rick Stevens, our editor-in-chief and founder of Rocket Sports Media. How you doing? I'm doing well. Um, What a great draft weekend we just um we just left in dallas hot dallas steamy dallas i have never been so happy to wake up in pennsylvania to temperatures in the mid 60s in my life (laughs) never when it's 90 degrees at 11 o'clock at night in dallas and it's over 100 degrees during the day i'm sorry dallas i don't know how you do it so uh, now, I've also now what never was, what was fortunate was that we were we spent most of the time the the entire uh, Rocket Sports team in the American Airlines Center, which was uh, you know uh, felt like an Brink. arena. That's right. Um, well, that's I was just about to say I've never been as so glad to be in an arena in June. <laughs> yeah, but and it's what always... was what was bizarre was was stepping out of the draft at uh, 11 or, or whatever time it was on Friday night, 11 p.m. at night, and getting hit in the face with uh, 36 degrees Celsius, feels like 42. Um, it, 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 I, I, was, I was shocked. I was surprised. And it was, it was mildly oppressive, uh, the heat at that late hour. It, it was. I, I spent at probably two hours walking around FanFest, uh, interacting with some fans and, and, and doing some, some social media, um, multimedia things and whatnot. And, you know, on, on the Friday for the first round of the draft, I always like to be a little more um, dressed up because it's kind of, you know, the big special night. And I certainly look like complete like melted ice cream cone I think by the time the draft actually started because it was so hot blazing hot under that sun um I I really I don't know how I don't know how they do it I really don't know how they do it I don't I've never consumed a cold bottle of water as quickly as I did that afternoon (laughs) but it was fun it was definitely fun and we are going to talk about just how much fun we and the whole Rocket Sports Media crew and our contest winners had over the course of the weekend. Uh, We're going to talk about that later in the show. Before we get to that, however, we're going to talk about, you know, get into the nitty gritty and and talk about how the draft went, especially that first round. Um, There would the, the first round, I would say the biggest adjective was surprising um, and uneventful. (laughs) Uh, There it was, it was, a weird first round to say the least. Uh, so we're going to break that down a little bit and just talk in general about how the Montreal Canadians did um, with their draft picks. Uh, and then as we mentioned last week, as soon as the draft is done, things really start to kick into high gear for the summer. And so we've already uh, with yesterday being the deadline to qualify RFAs, uh, we have the results of, of who was qualified and who wasn't for the Montreal Canadiens. We're going to briefly review those lists and talk about uh, those decisions made by the Habs. Um, and then right after that, that leads us right into free agency, which goes into effect on Sunday, July 1st. In between the two, you've got development camps that are, some of which are underway. I 
I was shocked. There were there were a couple of teams that started development camp yesterday. Like you got home from the draft and boom, development camp starts. They don't waste any time. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about development camps. And um, then there's been some coaching hirings uh, at the AHL level, a couple of, of key positions that we've been keeping an eye on. So, so two of those hirings have gone into effect this week. And then, of course, like I said, we're going to talk, we're going to save the, save the best for last and just talk about what a, what a great time we had in Dallas um, and what a great group of people we were there with and uh, maybe entice you listening right now to kind of make that mental note that you're going to want to enter the contest next year uh, because it's really not an event that you want to miss. So yet again, Rick, we have, look at this. It's the last week in June and we have a stocked to the brim. Better get underway. We better. Stocked to the brim show. You could say that the, our cupboards are pretty, are pretty stocked for, for today's show. And, and most people went into the 2018 draft, thinking that the Montreal Canadiens were going to stock their cupboards as well. They had a ton of picks, not to mention getting the third overall pick, uh, which most people were projecting were going to was going to either be uh, Zadina or Svechnikov, whichever one the Carolina Hurricanes didn't take at number two. So they've got the third overall pick. It's not often that you get that that a top three pick. You don't want to have to have a season where you've earned a top three pick. Uh, then they went on and they had four picks in the second round to use. And I, I want to say in either rounds three and four or four and five, they had at least three picks in each of those. I mean, tons of picks. It was time to stock up the cupboards, start doing a bit of a rebuild and, and see what Mark Bergevin could really do. And Rick, I think, um, do you do you think the cupboards got stocked? Is is the pantry full? Are 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 we you know kind of locked and loaded and ready ready to go now? Um, listen, this is this is um, it, it's it's a wait and see kind of thing, and unfortunately, um, wait and see isn't what the Canadians really needed right now, or what the fan, fan base was prepared for right now. Had this been uh, Mark Bergevin's first draft um, coming in and, uh, you know, drafting for the future kind of thing. Um, I, I think he would have got universal praise uh, for it. He said that he um, turned things over to Trevor Tim- Timmons for the most part um, and, and that it was a, a, a scout's draft. Um, and again, had that been Mark Bergevin's very first draft, I, I don't think there was there would be much to quibble. Um, but um, given given that this is six years into his five year plan, um, given that there are so many holes on the team, many that he created or has has not done anything to fill, uh, I think fans were expecting a little bit more, and I think they were expecting more in immediate help. Um, and instead the Canadians passed on um, you know, certainly one player who could have provided uh, immediate dividends in, in, in the fall uh, and went off the board. And, and so that's, that's why, you know, uh, draft grades are, are kind of um, 
arbitrary and and uh, so do you give um do you give the Canadians a, a B a B minus because um you know they they have some some potential talent um waiting in the wings um it's hard to say but I think it's clear it should be clear it should be abundantly clear that this was this was not necessarily uh, uh, as as the Canadians have had generally approached in the past um, uh, a best pick available um, kind of uh, strategy. Uh, this wasn't that at all. I think the 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 direction was clear. Um, that uh, again, it's uh, Jeff Molson listening to his his uh, commentary on sports talk radio, listening to uh, some of the journalists saying uh, your, your cupboards are empty with respect to, to centers. So Jeff's saying, go and get me a bunch of centers. Let's shut these people up. And so Trevor Timmons was able to do uh, what he wanted within certain parameters. Um, you know, it was Philip Zadina was, was, the you know arguably the the best scorer in in the draft uh the canadians passed on him to fill the uh center position went with the best center um you know who was who they could have uh, picked up uh, you know several um positions later um but they went with Jesperi Kotkmeni and um um and have their what they think will be uh, an impact center for the future. Um, you know, the jury's out on whether he will be more than a second line center. Um, and, um, you know, let's, let's, let's see how that, that all plays out. But, you know, the, the Canadians who should have been able to say, who should have been able to uh, walk away with a, with an A draft rating, um, picking so high in the draft, um, it's it's not so sure. Well, not at all. And uh, there's there's a fantastic meme that's circulating social media of two Canadians fans who were in the audience uh, that night in attendance, who basically pretty much their facial expression said it all. Um, Kokaniemi is not the name that people honestly expected to be called. Not only you mentioned Philip Zadina got passed over by the Canadians. They also passed over Brady Kachuk, uh, who went fourth, who went right after that to Ottawa. Um, And as you say, needing an impact player now. Well, Kokaniemi is, is not that, um, I'd be very surprised if he plays for the Habs this year. He, he is coming off. He's coming off an injury. And, and as you were, were quick to point out, um, yes, he's, he's played, um, you know, in, in a men's hockey league in Europe, but he did not play at the center position this year. No, he didn't. He played on the wing. So, do fans really want, we all know, we all know what that development process is like to move a winger over to center. It's not saying that he's not ever played center, but this past year, he did not play center this past year. So do you really want to see, you know, my, my thing is 
let him go back to Europe and play a year in Europe and, and, and make sure he plays center in Europe for a year instead of uh, he's, he's not going to play for the Habs and, and Trevor Timmons basic more or less said that in his, in his media appearance uh, that night was essentially, they don't really like, he basically said, well, he could, but the indication is that he won't play for the Habs this year. Um, So now the question is, does he play in Laval? Because since he played in Europe, he is eligible to play in Laval, even though he's young. Um, Or does he go back to Europe? Personally, I would not want him in Laval yet until he has had experience playing at the pro level in men's hockey as a center. I don't want to see him take a roster spot away from someone while he learns how to be a center in a, in a, in a more highly competitive league. I'd rather him learn that. Um, and I believe his coach in Europe is his, is his dad, correct? That's right. So like you said, you, the Canadians had the opportunity to get an impact player that would play on, on the, on the NHL roster this year and make an immediate impact. And that's not what they walked away with. Will he be a success in a year or two? indications point to yes but as you say the key phrase here is wait and see yeah, and i think that it it uh you, you mentioned the 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 fans that kept uh appearing on sportsnet and other other uh, broadcasts the canadians fans um their surprise their shock their disappointment perhaps we were sitting with uh, now we had uh a, a, a great group of fans from all over the NHL, but a good portion of, of uh, our fans were Canadians fans. And, and certainly um, the rocket sports team writers, contributors were, were there and, and um, um, who primarily cover the Montreal Canadians. And uh, after the pick was made, I mean, um, we, there was a group of, of, of a rather large contingent of Sabres fans, rather noisy Sabres fans uh, nearby. Mm-hmm. And um, after that pick was made, I mean, all night, the, those, those fans were beaming. They, they couldn't contain themselves. They were so happy. Yeah. Uh, they, they knew they were getting dull in, but, but they, right. were, they, they were still. Um, Once it was official, it was. Yeah. They, they, they were just thrilled. Uh, and, after the number three pick was made by the Canadians, you look down the row, uh, the natural reaction was, was not, there was no smiles. There was some, um, you know, hands uh, or faces in their hands, uh, you know, leaning over on their knees kind of thing. It wasn't, it wasn't disappointment. It wasn't, it just wasn't, it just wasn't thrill. It's just kind of, okay. No. Um, and so I tweeted like, okay, that. That's what I did. tweeted that, and then then we got you know got, okay, I'm happy. Look at me, I'm you know I'll push up the corners of my mouth and I'll be happy. But <laughs> but the natural reaction was, all right, uh, okay, this means you know this means a little more pain for a while for Canadians fans. This means right. uh, you know we're not going to get to celebrate right yet. Uh, so it was. And and yes, as you say, Brady Kachuk, Brady Kachuk uh, changes who you are on on the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, a a uh, Philip Zadina changes uh, the he brings offense immediately. Even mm-hmm. someone like um, uh, Noah Dobson, uh, mm-hmm. dominant 
dominant D and, and probably in my mind, the second best defenseman in the draft after Darlene, um, any one of those picks I think would have brought greater excitement um, to the fan base at number three um, than Jesperi. And that's, that's not, I'm not, don't send in and saying that I'm being critical of the pick. It's just not maybe the pick for the time. Um, right. It was, it was a pick based on position and not the best player available. And given that the Canadians had gone through so much pain to, and, and one, uh, you know, got bumped up in the, the draft lottery, we're lucky, lucky to, to, to do that. Um, there was an expectation that they would take better advantage of the opportunity that they had been given. Well, and, and given how, you know, we're going to talk in a minute, as briefly as we, as we go over who else was selected, uh, given how in hindsight, how, how freely giving of trading away picks throughout the remaining rounds, the Canadians ended up being, um, they very well could have taken Zadina or Kachuk at third overall, and then traded a couple of picks, to select again in the first round and take Kokaniemi if they really wanted him that badly. That could have easily, and, and then now you've made an impact. Now you've made a big move. Um, that I would have been impressed with. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, uh, uh, Arizona took a bizarre, <laughs> it was bizarre. As, I don't as, know as, what Arizona as, did. As, yeah, the, apparently they wanted a, a center badly uh, as well, and um, that was a bizarre pick at number five. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the Canadians fans were tweeting me and saying, "Well, you know, uh, Arizona passed on Zadina too." Well, th- don't well, don't 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 try and and pattern yourself after Arizona, the crazy nonsense that's going on there, or the mess that the Ottawa senators are, are, are in. And, 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 you know, that's not to criticize uh, Ottawa because that was, just a, that was just a choice in the style of like taking Kachuk over, over Zadina, but, um, but Arizona, uh, wow. Um, that, yeah. that was a huge reach to, to take Barrett Hayton there. Uh, and therefore, um, you know, Ken Holland, who has been much maligned and oh, Ken Holland is over the, over the hill and all that kind of, well, Ken Holland is smart as a Fox, just waiting, uh, to take Phillips Zadina at, uh, at number six. And, and, you know, you know, that going in, that certainly wasn't, uh, that wasn't Part of the Detroit's plan. plan. No. Not at all. It was, it was Quinn. He would Hughes, have been the long Michigan gone. Product. All yeah. the, we needed defensemen, but as soon as, as Zadina came available at six, you weren't, you weren't going to see him get by a smart GM like Ken Holland. No. And I, I'm, I'm happy for Brady Kachuk that he, that he ended up fourth overall. That was where I projected he was going to be selected, was going to be fourth overall. Um, But the first thing out of my mouth was, I feel so sorry for him that he landed in Ottawa. (laughs) That was, um, (laughs) You know, I hope he's able to make the best of of playing there. I don't think that that's the organization for for a player like Brady Kachuk um, to be in to excel per se. Um, he'll make an impact for Ottawa, but I would have preferred to have seen him um, 
how should I put this in a more stable organization <laughs> mm, um, yeah. and, and not in the nightmare that is currently surrounding the senators as today they announced that they've, you know, they've put, uh, who did they put on conditional waivers today to buy them out? Um, Burroughs. Burroughs on conditional waivers today to buy them out. And I think he, so, I mean, the, the drama just continues uh, over there. Um, so, so that was uh, the first round. There were there were a few other surprises. There were a lot of a lot of guys who were projected to go first round who ended up not going first round. Um, the Islanders certainly didn't disappoint. Lou Lamorello uh, said hello to him as he walked past our table earlier in the day, uh, and he had a big smile on his face while heading into the arena. He said hello and. Um, he certainly did not disappoint. They had back-to-back picks at 11 and 12 and took Oliver Wallstrom and Noah Dobson. So uh, and, that and was... Look at, look at that. The mess that, that Gar Snow has made over the year after year after year. And Lamorello, Lamorello goes in there and immediately a huge injection of talent for the Islanders. Um, Wallstrom with the best shot in the draft. Mm-hmm. Dobson, I, I, I still think he's the second best D-man. You get Bodie Wild even at, at number yep. 41. We saw him um, paired up with, with Quinn Hughes in the, in the prospects game. And, mm-hmm. and he's, he's quick. He's aggressive. He's, he's a top four D-man. Uh, the Islanders did, did extremely well. And, and, and that, even if they don't get, um, even if Tavares goes, goes elsewhere, they still got, you know, uh, uh, they, they changed the, the, the look of their, their talent pool. Um, yeah. They, they got, a, they picked up a goalie as well uh, in, in Scarrix, who's probably one of the, one of the top uh, goalies in the, in, was one of the top goalies in the draft. So um, I thought they did really well. One thing I, I am looking did well. I, I did. Yeah. I thought the Red Wings did really well. All, all the, in those, in, in my mind, those those are the three teams that that um, that all did well. Um, one thing I'm really looking forward to watching <laughs> this season is every game that the Detroit Red Wings play against the Canadians and the Senators, <laughs> because. Philip Zadina is quoted as it was it was not a secret that he was immediately not a happy camper as he watched his name fall in the rankings down the draft board as as teams were passing him over starting with Montreal and was was very quickly reported as having said to his agent um if the Canadians and the senators both pass me over, I'm going to make them regret it. And I'm going to fill their net with pucks. And I love that. I absolutely love that attitude. In fact, Oliver Wallstrom, it came out today that he basically said the same thing about the Rangers passing him up at ninth overall. And he said they made a mistake there. Um, so Islanders, Rangers, those are going to be some interesting games with Oliver Wallstrom having a little chip on his shoulder uh, with the Rangers not taking him. Um, but man, am I looking forward to seeing Zadina play against Montreal and Ottawa because he's he's going to have something to say when he takes the ice against those two teams. Well, and look at look at the Red Wings. Um, you know, Zadina with with a bit of uh, 
uh, payback, um, uh, an ounce payback for uh, of, of sorts for the Canadians, and uh, you know that Joe Valeno is is uh, would have would have hoped to have been p- picked by the Canadians. He went, um, he dropped through the draft and, and ended up thirtieth uh, uh, the the pick of the Red Wings. Um, so um, expect that that rivalry to to take on another bit of a flavor um when when mm-hmm. all are in the lineup and and uh um and that should be a lot of fun and um you know the the red wings um the, with uh, the 33rd pick got uh Berggren, who's who's um you know a real dynamic swede and and um i i think the the red wings did really well um very well in 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 the draft and and they've got someone in Zadino who's going to be playing this fall. I don't think there's Absolutely. any question about that. No, there's no question at all. So after that underwhelming pick on the first round, we moved we moved to Saturday, which is the rounds 2 through 7 and everything happens in pretty rapid fire fashion. I have to say that my day on Saturday this is going to be my my mini my mini rant and complaint because my day started on Saturday with, with one of those moments of, you know, I could just smack you and leave it to a Bruins fan. Just leave it to a Bruins fan. You know, Jim Gregory, Jim Gregory has been uh, among all of the other things that he does for the NHL, all of his other job responsibilities. He has been, the icon, the staple behind the podium on day two of the draft, announcing draftee names for the entire day of draft two, uh, uh, day two of the draft for, for years, 30 some years, I think he's been doing it. Um, his voice and his, his posture and his, his good humor in, in trying to do his best to say names of foreign players and, and so forth. It's just, it's, it's iconic. And it was announced at the beginning of the day that this, uh, while he's not retiring from the NHL, he's still going to maintain his other duties, Jim, that, but it was announced that this would be the last year that Jim Gregory would be doing the announcements on day two of the drafts, um, which, is a, which is a big thing to find out in that moment. The entire arena, everyone on the draft floor, every person in the stands, immediately on their feet, Long, long standing ovation, duly, duly deserved for Jim Gregory as he stood at the podium and 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 kind of clapped back at the at the, you know, applauded back at the audience and everyone who was standing to applaud him and as his way of saying thank you. And I looked down two rows in front of me, directly in front of me. There is one person in the entire arena that I could see who was not standing. And he was wearing a Brad Marchand jersey. No figures. And I, I, honest to God, I want, I, it was all I could do to not open my mouth and say something since he was right in front of me. I just could not believe how you could be that. He was busy on his phone. How you could be that self-absorbed and disrespectful that you can't. It's not like he didn't notice that every person standing to the sides of him, in front of him, and behind him were on their feet. He just, it wasn't important to him. And I just, oh, 
it took every it took every ounce of restraint in my body to not okay I can't I'm not going to cause a scene I'm just not going to cause a scene I'm not in Philadelphia I can't act like a Philadelphia fan but oh my gosh did that just burn me Jim Gregory deserves better than that so Jim we will miss you next year and ignore the guys in the Bruins jerseys that didn't stand up Uh, But that did move us into the second round, and the Canadians had four picks in this round. Um, They started with, and and we can just quickly kind of go through these. uh, Rick, we don't have to go too deep into them since they have so many of them. Uh, But at 35, they took right winger Yessi Yelonen. What were your your thoughts on on Yelonen? Well, um... First, to, to back up a bit, you're, you're right. The, the Canadians had four picks, uh, four second round picks. And um, I don't know anyone who thought that they would use all four picks. They didn't. Um, but but the, the generally, the thought was that they would uh, use a combination, certainly one of those second round picks and a combination of, of something to move up into uh, to get a second first round pick late in the in the, uh, in the first round. And so, um, we had a chat with, with, um, uh, before the draft started with our friend, Sam Cosentino and, uh, from Sportsnet and, and, um, talked about just that, about the Canadians, um, moving up. Uh, and, and he was convinced they would do that, uh, as well. And, and we talked about what, what pick, might be available. Who was willing to to um, trade their their first round pick? Um, mm-hmm. And he seemed to think that the Toronto Maple Leafs pick was in play. That they had let people know that um, you know uh, for the right uh, price that their their pick at at twenty fifth uh, was available. So we then talked about okay, who would be available at twenty if the Canadians could put together and. And, you know, maybe an, an early second round pick, maybe one of their early third round picks would have done uh, would have done the trick um, to get that that late Toronto Maple Leafs uh, first round pick. Who would who would be available and who would they be looking at? And, um, you know, it was Dominic Bach, Dominic Bach and um, uh, from very high skill, great skater, dynamic player. Um, there you go. You, you change things around. You really change things around. You bring a player in like that. So how did it play out? Canadians sat on their hands. <laughs> I mean, we watched and it looked like people were asleep over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, in, and, and that Toronto Maple Leafs pick that, uh, that Sam said was in play, indeed was in play. And they traded it to the St. Louis Blues. Uh, for their late first round pick and a, and a late third round pick, uh, whether whether a, an early um, second and a, and and the Canadians pick, which I think was ten places uh, earlier um, than St. Louis's, uh, would have done the trick. Who knows? But but we didn't see that happen. Uh, and it was St. Louis that made a great move in 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 getting up and getting um, Bach. Um, so we then get to the the second round, and 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 uh, the Canadians had an early pick, and and Yelonen is 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 fine. He's okay. Uh, that's that's fine. 
Um, uh, it has some 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 issues, and and um, um, but I think that's it's it it's an okay pick. Uh, mm-hmm. It was their second second round pick at thirty eight that had everybody scratching their heads. What in the world, Alexander Romanov, um, who? Uh, I'd have to look it up, but I think was was uh, ranked by Hockey Prospects, who we know there's all kinds of different ranking people, ranking organizations out there. But Hockey Prospects actually sees these people play as uh, mm-hmm. an army of scouts out there, and and is uh, has had a good track record as far as uh, you know how they rank theirs, and and they had um, Romanov had 144, 146 in that range. <laughs> Uh, and the Canadians are taking that 38. <laughs> yeah, certainly yeah. Um, the, 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 the general feeling that was that Romanoff was taken two to three rounds early. Um, uh, it's, it, it was, it was a head scratcher for sure. Um, I don't think there's any question about that. He was certainly pleased with it. He, he and his family were sitting right next to us, actually, just across. We were at the end of an aisle. He, they were across the aisle and one row back and beaming and so happy because, yeah, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure he wasn't expecting to hear his name called at that point in the, in the game. No, Absolutely. Uh, and we uh, actually happened to have the opportunity to meet both Yelonen and Romanoff um, after the draft, ran into both of them in the concourse, said hello, shook hands and whatnot. Um, Romanoff still with the big beaming smile on his face and, and was with, I'm not sure if it was his father or his agent. And, and basically all Romanoff could say was thank you. And I don't speak English. So <laughs> I think he'll, he'll probably want to work on that a little bit. Um, uh, that, that will come, but um, both seem to be uh, quite, quite nice young men. Uh, very, very happy, but yeah, interesting picks to say the least for the Canadians. Um, and then they still had more uh, in the second round Um at 56, they drafted another centerman, Jacob Olofsson. That's a very good pick. I, I like that one uh, quite a bit. Um, probably very good uh, value to get him at, at 56. Um, yeah, I think of, of, of all of the, the, the selections, the 11 or I think it's 11, that the Canadians – uh, took I, I like Olafson and I think that um, as far as value I'm talking about uh, Cole mm-hmm. Fonstead as well uh, Cole Fonstead taken in the fifth round I, I think he could uh, be a potential steal at that at that late um, juncture another center surprise surprise a rookie out of Prince Albert mm-hmm. uh, in the WHL um, I I was disappointed in in the first um, third round pick at 66 Cameron Hillis, Cameron Hillis uh, from Guelph. Yeah. Um, yeah that that's a that's a boomer bust kind of pick and and to take him when Jake Wise was available um, Jake mm-hmm. Wise uh, uh, Matt our um, uh, one of our draft experts had written uh, a, a nice article on him I would have liked to see Jake Jake Wise selected he was taken three picks later, three picks later sure. by the Blackhawks 
by Chicago. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. And then in the fourth round, McShane, not, not is, is not bad. Um, and, um, and then they filled in the rest of the draft, uh, had to take a, uh, a selection from the QMHJ, QMJHL uh, in Samuel Oud, um in the fifth round and then uh, finished mm-hmm. it off with Brett Stapley. So, um, and, oh, I didn't mention uh, the high schooler, uh, Jack Gorniak, but Jack Gorniak. Um, yeah. Yeah. And okay. It was a, it was an okay um, draft for the Canadians and, and, uh, and get to see them all at uh, development camp coming up this week, starting Thursday at uh, Broussard. Well, before um, before we get to development camp, we should uh, just give it a, a bit of an update on players who are are currently were currently already under the Canadians moniker um, RFAs pending RFAs. There were uh, nine of them, I believe, um, and four of them were given qualifying offers. Yesterday was the deadline for NHL teams to to submit their qualifying offers to their pending RFAs. Um, Four of the Canadians' RFAs were were extended uh, a qualifying offer. Five of them were not. Uh, so offers were made to Phil Deneau, Jacob De La Rose, Michael McCarron, and Kirby Reichel, meaning that Logan Shaw, Daniel Carr, Jeremy Gregoire, Tom Parisi, and Zach Fukali all were not qualified by the Canadians' um, Rick, I'm not, I I don't, I'm actually pleasantly surprised that the Canadians did not qualify Logan Shaw. I thought for sure Claude Julian would make sure that that got done uh, because he seems to, to be an awful big fan of Logan Shaw. Um, Zach Fucali, I don't think is a big surprise. Uh, We talked about that uh, extensively in the last two weeks episodes of of the podcast about just the backlog at goaltending and and how they've been using Fucali. You had projected that although they should keep Tom Parisi, they likely wouldn't. Um, And unfortunately that, that prediction turned out to be true. Um, I'm surprised with Gregoire and Dan Carr, I have to say. Um, Gregoire, I thought for sure would be, would be a, would be a lock. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a local guy, um, strong play. He has, he's been asked to change his role in the last two years to, to a bit more of a, a physical kind of game. And he did that willingly and, and improved his game and, and found some success there. Um, so I'm a little, I, I'm disappointed, uh, for, for Jeremy Gregoire. Uh, and I was, I was a bit surprised there. Yeah, I think that um you know, after the season Mark Bergevin uh said that uh it was all about attitude. Uh the reason that the Canadians had such a dreadful season was attitude. And mm-hmm. that his his priority would be to change uh the attitude. Um even though he had been preaching that he brought in character players the entire time. Um, that attitude was some somehow something different, and that he was going to address that. Claude Julian said, um, "We're going to we're going to uh, focus on players who play uh, for the logo on the front of the sweater rather than the name on the back. We want we want to completely change the attitude um, 
of of an image of of uh, this team. Um, that was, I think, at the time I said it was absolute hogwash, um, and I think we're we're seeing um, it, it, as as of yesterday that was <laughs> that that was absolutely confirmed. Um, there's mm-hmm. no better character person. There's no better uh, player with with a, a great attitude than Dan Carr. There's no player who who you know. Uh, there's the mythology that that Brandon Gallagher um, uh, plays plays every shift, and and uh, while that's true for the most part, um, he sometimes doesn't play smart every shift. Um, but Dan Carr, and I'm not uh, saying that Dan Carr is a better player than Brandon Gallagher. Brandon Gallagher, no. But but the Dan Carr has has an enormous heart and. He's absolutely fearless when he goes into the corners. He's absolutely fearless when he goes to the front of the net. Um, and he's got some hands. He's, he can, mm-hmm. he can, uh, he can, sk- he's a decent skater. Uh, he knows um, how to, to get open. He's, he's not afraid of, of, of um, going to the dirty areas. Um, he's responsible defensively. He'll block shots for you in, in the defensive zone. He's he's just a very solid player, and okay if you wanna you wanna t- you know you you've made the judgment that that um, that he isn't really in the favor of your head coach, uh, so you're not going to qualify him, or you're going to give him a, a a low ball qualifying offer as as is said uh, to be the case. Um, uh, all right. Uh, but but it doesn't fit with what your message has been, and and right. uh, you know to to a certain extent a lot of that a lot of what I just said can can be applied to Jeremy Gregoire, another player Absolutely. that plays with a, a ton of heart, another player who um, could have returned and and had a letter on his chest mm-hmm. um, this fall. Jeremy Gregoire is is he works hard, he demands a ton of himself. Um, yes, he does. And 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 uh, and as I said, just plays with heart. Um, you know, uh, Tom Parisi, um, uh, the, the defenseman that with Terramina uh, having uh, out with uh, with injury, uh, Parisi became the defenseman that coaching staff trusted most. He was mm-hmm. the one that they they put the uh, you know the most junior of of players with. Um, and um, Parisi is smart. He's an excellent passer. He's a good skater. Um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, there wasn't space available for him. And, and Zach, um, Zach Fucali, um, you know, just wasn't um, in the plans. He dropped in the, in the depth chart. And, um, you know, for all of his, his uh, physical tools and athleticism, uh, he's still got some things to work out as far as, you know, getting too high or too low. Um, mm-hmm. And, and with, with the right coaching staff, with the right um, supports and, and, and staff, uh, I hope he gets a new start. Logan Shaw was a pure AHL player and, and uh, shouldn't have got the minutes that he, that he got. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the the four guys that did get the qualifying offers, Deno, no question there. Dilla Rose with uh, the way he played uh, at the end of the season, no question there. Just, McCarron, yeah. I think, 
I think some people might have questioned that, but but even if the the organization wants to move on McCarron, you qualify him and trade him. I think the only question was was Kirby Ryko. Um, yeah. But but and that's that's mainly around his foot speed. But but with it being unlikely uh, that Chris Terry returns, uh, the, the the scoring champion uh, of the AHL from last season, you have to replace that offense somehow. And, and uh, I guess the plan is for for Kirby Reichel to uh, pick up some of that slack. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and not to mention, they didn't bring him up uh, for a look at the NHL level until I think the last two games of the season. So, um, you know, who, who knows? We'll see, we'll see what he's, what he does with his opportunities at training camp uh, as well. You know, the, the Canadians in that, when they when they acquired Reichel from Toronto, they also got Valiev in that deal, and and um, they ended up not seeing Valiev for too long either. Once he went out with injury, uh, both both now uh, back for next year. So um, interesting. Overall, we'll see how see how things go. I, it's already going to be, I think, an in- interesting training camp and a competitive training camp, uh, especially in the goaltending position. Um, and as you say, you know, with, with the guys who, who did not get qualified, um, just wishing, wishing them all really the best of luck and, and a lot of success. And I hope, uh, you know, Carr, Gregoire, Parisi, Fucali, I hope they all land with good organizations where they're going to be given good opportunities to, to prove what they can do. Um, on the Flyers side of things just wanted to mention today some news came out um, that Sam Moran was re-signed by the Flyers today to, uh, it's a multi-year contract um, and that was you know he's he's out he got injured during the playoffs unfortunately again and and had season-ending surgery uh, and is not projected to come back until February so he's going to miss the first half of, of this coming season. And there was a lot of speculation um, when he comes back, is he going to have, you know, will he have to clear waivers and what, but it, you know, the Flyers went ahead and signed a multi-year deal with him. So they, it looks like they're pretty, pretty keen on Mr. Moran um, and how he's going to be around for a while. Uh, as you mentioned, um, well, we'll get to, actually we'll get the development camp here in a minute. Let's just quickly touch on um, you know now that now that qualifying offers are taken qualifying offers have been taken care of, Rick. That moves us the next kind of roster thing that that will come up is free agency, which which hits on on Sunday, July first. Which I'm so sorry for all of you in Canada who have to share Canada Day with free agency frenzy. Um, it's really dumb. It's really dumb. Like, like, come on now. You're. I would imagine you're either all out picnicking and hiking with your, just glued to your phone, or you just don't go out. But <laughs> um, certainly unfair. Um, but it is on Sunday this year. Uh, do you expect? There's so much speculation flying around on social media these days, Rick. Do you do you expect? to see the Canadians make any big moves or, or is this going to be another case of wait and see? Well, um, I think, I think that, you know, the, the, um, 
the, 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 the one free agent, the only real free agent that, that the Canadians uh, fans have been interested in um, is uh, John Tavares. Um, and uh, it, it, it boggled my mind. I, I, I still have yet to hear of a single good reason why John Tavares would um, consider uh, coming to Montreal, but yeah. so many, so many uh, Canadians fans uh, were were convinced that that was happening. Um, I I said um, on uh, Friday night that with the Canadians picking the picking um, uh, the standard as they did with their number three pick going off the board to do that, um, that they that that told me that they weren't getting Tavares. Um, and it came out uh, in the last couple of days that, that uh, I was correct on that. And, and that in fact, the Canadians were told two weeks ago uh, that they wouldn't be, that they Tavares wouldn't be uh, placing the Canadians on their, on his short list. Hmm. Um, they, the Canadians had requested a, 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 to be an interview and to be one of those uh teams that um, he met with in Los Angeles and the Tavares camp said no. Um, So I think that's, uh, if their draft strategy wasn't already focused on centers uh, uh, at that point, two weeks ago, uh, that's, that's uh, when, when it uh, perhaps changed. But um, I I think that, that puts, um, that puts the Canadians in, in a bind in that, I think I think they have to um you know be change their change their approach change their their focus and perhaps uh look to uh a bit more pain um a bit more <laughs> a, another lean year before some of these draft p- picks start uh um being able to be worked into the uh the lineup um you know, there's there's still that open spot beside uh, Weber, um, and mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, who, uh, it was mentioned uh, a fair bit that that Noah Hannafin um, would be a nice fit there, and we saw we saw Hannafin actually a real um, big trade, I thought, a, a, a massive trade, and and a good one for Carolina, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, Hannafin going to the Flames and Carolina getting Dougie Hamilton, and um, who will play in their top four, and and Furland will be in their bottom six. But the key in in that one, I thought, was Adam Fox, who's um, uh, a few years away yet, but he's going to be a, a solid top four uh, defenseman. Um, so you see the immediate effects of the the tag team of Dudley and Waddell there. Yeah. Um, and but but there goes uh, Hannafin from the Canadians' plans. So we've heard all kinds of names and and uh, uh, free agents and and they're the you know the Russell and and, oh, yes. and 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 Burroughs and I mean it, it's just yeah. and uh, Declare. Speaking of attitude uh, oh, issues, gosh. Anthony Declare uh, you know was was not qualified. Uh, by Chicago, so yeah, lots of lots of speculation. Yeah, how many teams has he been through now? Um, 
lots of Canadians fans talking about him. Um, you know, Vancouver didn't qualify Jordan Subban and, and, and um, <laughs> sorry, that was Vegas. Cause he went from Vancouver to, to That's Vegas. Right. Um, and Canadian fans wanting to get a Subban, but of course we saw him in Utica and, and he was less than impressive there. Uh, certainly, you know, I'd rather have a Tom Parisi than, uh, than, uh, than him. Um, so I, 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 I think that the, the Canadians um, will be, will be adding pieces, um, but uh, through free agency, but um, uh, not necessarily the, the silver bullets that, that the Canadians are expecting to solve uh, the major problems. And if that happens, then, um, then a year from now, are we going to be looking at it like, like the Carl Alsner uh, situation that that so many mm-hmm. were thrilled with when it when it oh, yeah. when it happened. Yeah. Well, I'm going to follow that up with with two separate points. First is just an aside, which just a bit of an anecdote from from the draft weekend. You mentioned Rick Dudley and and uh, his obvious impact there with Carolina and that big trade. I found it quite quite amusing, um, and I don't know how how visible this was to folks who are watching the draft at home on TV, but Carolina's table on the draft floor was directly behind the Canadians table on the draft floor. And Dudley was sitting on the side of his table with his back basically up against the Canadians table, which I just, I thought was quite amusing that of, of, of the entire draft floor, he ends up sitting right next to the Habs table. And then Later in the day on Saturday, Dudley was standing and, and chatting with with some of uh, might have been Trevor Timmons and a couple of guys at the at the Montreal table and and Bergevin was wandering around the draft floor. I don't. It looked like he was handing out Canadians hats to. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing, but he was wandering around the draft floor, and comes back to the table and does one of those things that you do to someone when you're in like seventh grade where he. He taps Dudley as he passes Dudley from behind to go sit in his chair. He taps Dudley on the left shoulder and passes him around the right <laughs> and just has this big grin on his face like, oh, I got you. You know, like I, it was to me, it was amusing and bizarre all at the same time. And it's just one of those little things that unless you're at the draft, you just don't get to pick up on those kinds of things. And it's very interesting to watch those kind of interactions and dynamics. Um, but to follow up, I don't, I don't mean to throw uh, an immediate kind of um, wrench into everything that we just talked about as far as what could the Canadians do with free agency, but Bob McKenzie, I'm, I just happened to hop on the tweet deck and within the last 30 minutes, Bob McKenzie has, <laughs> Here we go with more of the you know the rumor mill. He's given a little validity to something that half of Habs fans really want and the other half don't really want. Uh, Bob McKenzie just tweeted just a little bit ago, don't be surprised if when all is said and done on July 1st, Thomas Placanitz is back in Montreal. So it, I don't know if that means that Bob McKenzie has heard something. I don't know. And and I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised uh, I wouldn't be surprised at that um, you know Placanitz obviously at the end of the season said 
made it quite clear that he'd like to come back to the Montreal Canadiens. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly there's the, the thousand games kind of looming, looming. Um, I, I thought it was, I thought it was, um, I don't know, uh, kind of evident that, that, um, um, the Canadians kind of did okay without Thomas Placanet. And, and I, I love Thomas yeah. Placanet, but had other players who, whose uh, roles were able to grow, including, um, Jacob Della Rose. Um, but it's clear that um, Claude Julien just he has his likes and he has his dislikes and and he feels more comfortable with certain players and th- that he would feel comfortable with with a uh, Thomas Placanitz, um back in the lineup. And I guess um, I mean who's going? I I guess I wonder who's going to be scoring for. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens. They're mm-hmm. 29th in goals for uh, last year. Uh, they've already lost uh, 20 goals in in uh, and potentially 30 goals in Alex Galchenyuk. Galchenyuk. Um, um, and um, you know the mess that was created uh, with uh, Max Pacioretty and the almost trade to to the Los Angeles Kings and and is kind of. Uh, left him in no man's land with with uh, no team to go to yet, and no and and be difficult to come back to the Canadians. And mm-hmm. there's you know his his potential thirty goal goals. Who who is going to be scoring beyond Brendan Gallagher? Who is going to be scoring on this Montreal Canadiens team um, next year? I, it's and, it's and Jonathan Drouin, you know, know, and without. Without Zadina, um, uh, well, yeah. Score, uh, yeah, there was there would be another person. Um, it's it's going to be um, really interesting, but that kind of that kind of played out uh, uh, as the draft was going on, and with Pacioretty switching um, uh, agents, uh, going from uh, Bergevin's friend in uh, Pat Brisson to um, God just, help him. Just, yeah, Alan Walsh. Alan Walsh. Uh, okay, uh, and you know, I'll trust Patrick Eddie. Walsh. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, um, that's 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 very very difficult. And and you know, being a general manager, we, we're told every day by Bergevin how hard it is, but somehow other look at the Washington Capitals who. Um, Brian McClellan just he, he has a Stanley Cup winning team and and um, unfortunately he knows he can't keep them all together um, he 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 wants to sign John Carlson but knows he's in cap difficulty and just easily makes just the the exact trade that he needed to make in shipping out Brooks Orpic despite the mm-hmm. fact that Orpic played so well in the playoffs and ships out Phil Grubauer who started as the number one goalie in the, in the playoffs for Washington ships them to Colorado uh, for a second round pick and, and picks up a decent uh, Cody Clark, who's son of Wendell Clark um, uses that, but, but, but the main benefit of that was freeing up cap space and then goes and signs a, a massive eight-year deal to, to John Carlson. Good GMs make things happen, and and, uh, and um, bad GMs complain about how difficult uh, their job is. <laughs> That's right. 
Well, Sunday will be interesting. I'm sure we will have plenty to talk about uh, on Tuesday's edition of the podcast um, uh, next week. And uh, we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed that there's no, as, as I, as I tweeted before the draft, let's get through the draft without any bad trades. Um, So let's, let's see, let's see if Bergevin can, can keep things to not, no bad signings. We'll see how that goes. But uh, before that, development camps have already begun for some teams. Um, The Canadians, Rick, kick off theirs on Thursday. Uh, They're certainly inviting plenty of guys from the QMJHL to come see what they can do. Indeed they are. And, um, you know, um, sadly, much of that is done to to pacify uh, the media and and, and a certain segment of the fans. And um, um, I've I've complained before that uh, these invitees, uh, take places and take away resources and focus uh, from um, from the draftees, um, and, but but that's I, I I guess that's that's the political situation more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, we see uh, Samuel Harvey, Joel Teasdale, um, Katarnakis, um, all coming from the queue. Some from um, uh, the uh, the Armada, uh, which I guess shouldn't be a surprise with uh, Joel Bouchard connection there. Um, but it's it's um, and and uh, you had mentioned uh, quite a different approach um, with the um, with the Flyers camp. Um, That's right. The Flyers development camp roster has. Let's see. They are filled. Their entire development camp roster has two. Uh, let's see. No, they are all they are all Flyers property. They they are all either drafted by the Flyers, and two of them are free agents that that the Flyers acquired. There's not invitees and so forth. They have stocked the cupboard, and so that's. Uh, they've got a, a full roster for development camp, which kicks off uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, actually. Um, and it's, it's stocked with nothing but, but flyers property. Much different. And approach. As, as we speak, another one has been, another invitee has been offered from the queue from, uh, from Bathurst um, defenseman, uh, Olivier Gallopo. Um, <laughs> so. Alrighty. Um, yeah, not only do the Canadians have a, a a pretty big draft class arriving uh at development camp. Um you know, it's not it's not like Nashville or Pittsburgh with uh who only brought in four. The Canadians have 11 um coming. Um but they 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 continue to to uh uh swell the ranks uh with all of the these Q invitees. So different approach. Yeah, different approach. We'll be sure to to keep folks uh, informed about the happenings at at the Canadians uh, development camp. Uh, But at the same time, we're also going to provide some coverage for the Flyers development camp as well. As I mentioned, it starts tomorrow uh, with the annual. um, It's one thing if you're a Philadelphia Flyers fan, the one thing that fans really look forward to, and I think is a, it's a nice 
it's it's a it's a nice icebreaker for the prospects uh, and it's really fun for the fans. They kick things off with their annual trial on the aisle, which is um, it's basically a beach day down at the Jersey Shore for the prospects and the fans uh, to kick off development camp. Uh, so they'll be down in Stone Harbor, New Jersey at the beach tomorrow. They'll be doing a, a community caravan and clinic for kids uh, at Stone Harbor Elementary School which is always nice to see the, the young prospects getting right into to giving back in the community. Um, they'll also do a, an autograph session for fans. And then the annual beach volleyball tournament against the U.S. Coast Guard will get them warmed up for when uh, on-ice sessions actually start on Thursday. And we will be providing some live coverage um, this weekend from Flyers Development Camp in Voorhees, New Jersey. So watch out on social media for that. Um, we did quickly just want to mention two of the AHL head coaching positions that were still vacant have been filled this year. The first was Belleville, and I got to say, Belleville wins the summer so far on on hiring a coach uh, because they are the ones who managed to pick up Troy Mann, who was recent most recently relieved of his coaching duties in Hershey. Um, Troy Mann has a reputation for being a bit of a hard-nosed coach, but one who who keeps his players accountable. He works them hard. He demands a lot of them. Hershey is a very high-standard organization. They expect to win in, in Hershey. Um, and for all intents and purposes, Troy Mann could be exactly what the second year of the Belleville Senators needs to right their ship as they were pretty much down at the bottom of the rankings with Laval. Um, I think this was a, a very good hiring for Belleville, and it'll be interesting to see what he does with the Senators. Troy Mann is is known as a teacher, but I think the, the thing that stuck out to me most is that um, he coached nine members of the Capitals Cup winning team uh, mm-hmm. as they passed through Hershey, and uh, that that's a pretty good testament to um, – to his work um, and uh, a great, great, great hiring by, um, by uh, the senators and, and uh, uh, certainly someone who uh, respects development. And uh, as you said, makes his, uh, his players accountable. Absolutely. That's a, that's a two year contract. So he, uh, he will be the head coach through the 1920 season. On the flip side of that, when that was anna- when that came out and was announced yesterday, I said, "Okay, well, we're but we are still waiting to see who Hershey is going to replace him with." And sure enough, they came out today with their hiring, and that's Spencer Carberry is the 26th head coach for the Hershey Bears. Um, he is 36 years old, um, and most recently he was uh, he served as an assistant coach this past season with the Providence Bruins who, as we know, made it to the first round of the playoffs uh, and were eliminated by the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Um, he also did serve as the head coach in the OHL for the Saginaw Spirit in 1617, um, but began his coaching career for six seasons in South Carolina, which is Hershey's ECHL affiliate. So there you see where uh, where that connection comes into play. So he now takes takes the role of bench boss in Hershey um, has some big shoes to fill uh, with Troy Mann and also their own turnaround that needs to take place because Hershey admittedly did not have the kind of season that the Washington Capitals organization is used to seeing from their farm team. 
a, a bit of a different direction, maybe, uh, for Hershey, um, in that that Carberry is the second will become the second youngest coach uh, in the AHL, um, and um, he, he's kind of he's kind of advanced rather quickly. Um, he spent five years in in uh, in the ECHL, but then. Uh, one year in the OHL, one year uh, with Providence, um, and and uh, as an assistant, and now on to the head co- coaching role in Hershey. So, this one's a little bit um, a, a, a wait and see kind of thing. Let's let's see how mm-hmm. this works out for uh, for Hershey. There's still some coaching positions available around around the league, which we're waiting waiting on, including the second assistant coach position in Laval, which we have not heard any any rumblings about that yet. Um, there's some rumors that are starting to fly about who's going to fill uh, the second assistant position in Montreal, um, but we'll leave that speculation until some things are firmed up. But lots of coaching news still on the horizon for this summer. So, Rick, I guess we can wrap things up with a little bit of fun. I have to say, as as you said at the beginning of, of at the top of the show, what a weekend we had in Dallas. Heat aside, 100-degree temperatures aside, what a weekend we had in Dallas. We had a fantastic group of 50 people, Rocket Sports Media crew members, as well as our contest ticket winners. Thank you again, a big thank you again to our partnership, continuing partnership with the NHL who provided, uh, you know, yet again for us this year, uh, reserved lower bowl seats right in with the prospects and their families. Um, and everyone, everyone, we've already been hearing such wonderful compliments from people and just how much fun everyone had, what a unique experience it was. We ate some really good food. It was just a, it was a really good weekend. It was a great weekend. And I think that, uh, certainly for, um, you know, it, it was great to have uh, some of some of our contributors who, um, you know, it wasn't their first time. Uh, some of the, the Canadians fans um, uh, wasn't their first time and they realize they know what they're in for and, and what a what a unique opportunity it is to, to join us in this kind of environment. The draft is already one of my favorite uh, events on the NHL schedule, but but experiencing it this way. Uh, with a group of fans, um, you have you have you have families. You have a uh, Colorado Avalanche um, uh, family who drove um, and and to to celebrate uh, uh, the son's fifteenth birthday. Uh, said it's going to be difficult to 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 match the you know anything like the this excitement. again um, <laughs> for the sixteenth. You know, that's right. Yeah, you had. Um, well, I, I, th- there were just so many uh, families who who um, were just experienced and just mesmerized by not only um, the 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 experience of being in the arena when when names were called, but um, being steps away from uh, the families who uh, the families of the draftees that were um, you know this was the the culmination of all their work, all their effort, all the 5 a.m. Um, drives to the rink. Um, and, you know, I think I, there wasn't a person who didn't, didn't say they were right in front of me. Um, yeah, and, that's right. and the whole family was just, um, was just so excited. And, and um, 
and then I think it was was at the other end of the spectrum. Uh, many many fans didn't realize that there are prospects who aren't drafted, um, yeah. and just keeping an eye on on those uh, prospects and 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 you know not even having any real connection with them, but hoping that they would be drafted because you could see as they as the draft went on, the emotion in their face, the, the families and, and the dejection, um, the depression. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the it, disappointment. It was, it was just a, a very different kind of experience for them. And then of course, uh, going out into the, uh, the concourse, uh, getting to run into all of the, the draftees, getting to um, um, shake hands with, with a general manager or, or a mm-hmm. hockey executive that they always wanted to meet, or a former player. Um, you know, we were um, uh, having our post-draft party with our Rocket Sports post-draft party with uh, with our contributors and with with uh, fans. Um, and there was Guy Lapointe, um, you know, legendary Hall of Famer, Montreal Canadian, and and he was on his way walking over with beer in hand to uh, talk with the Hunter brothers who were, were just behind us. And, and I intercepted him and, and, um, and asked him um, if he would just spend a, a minute saying hello to our table that was filled with Canadians fans. And he was only too happy to do so. Oh, he and, was, he was thrilled to do so. He wanted to take pictures <laughs> yeah. with everyone. He was, he yeah. was, he was fantastic. He, and he and, was. Members of members of our group who who are lifelong Canadians fans just look like little kids on Christmas morning. Like I can't believe I just met and took my picture with Gila Point. I, I I like I don't know what to do with myself. I mean, it was you know, again those kind of moments are unscripted sometimes, but something special like that happens every year that we go to the draft. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, th- these these chance meetings, these um, uh, special conversations that that you have with uh, with the hockey management, with with scouts, with uh, media, um, it's it's a it's a, it's really a time that um, that everybody in the hockey community is there, and and uh, it's a a wonderful wonderful experience, um, and. Um, you know, we, uh, as you said, we were very grateful for the uh, uh, partnership with the NHL. This is something that that um, started in 2009 uh, with the Montreal draft. Uh, then we we took a couple of years and and uh, looked at some other other ways of of, of interacting, and we had the uh, the big fan party in 2012 for Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, our 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 all Habs uh, fan party that, that uh, actually outdrew the, the, Can- the Canadians That's right. uh, fan party that year. Uh, and then we've, you know, for the last number of years, we've, uh, we've attended with fans uh, every year after that and fans, not only of the Canadians, but from, from every team in the league. And, uh, and we hear back from, we, you know, uh, um, we, we heard back from a, a Leafs fan uh, just before the draft saying, you know, I'll never forget that you gave me the opportunity to see Austin Matthews uh, drafted and That's um, right. in person and, and, uh, and so close. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a real special opportunity and, and, um, 
you know, we wish we could take everybody, uh, but, but we're glad uh, for those that, uh, that, that uh, um, are fortunate enough to come with us and we feel fortunate to meet them. And, and uh, one of, one of the favorite, favorite, favorite moments, favorite events of, of the hockey season. Um, And, and, uh, put it on your calendar to to make sure that uh, that you enter the contest uh, if you haven't been with us to enter the contest because there's no better hockey experience. There really isn't, and so I, I will echo what Rick just said. You know, we had a great time. It's always so good to just get to meet fans from from across the league. Um, everyone has a great story to tell, and uh, you kind of all you make new friends over the weekend and and. Uh, it's really a wonderful experience. Do not miss the opportunity next year to enter this contest. You'll hear us promote it nonstop towards the spring. Um, make sure you you get in on the chance to win tickets. I mean, it's just it's it's a it's a really unique opportunity. It's always a ton of fun. There's always surprises, and uh, and we want you to join us. And so, thanks again to the NHL. Thanks to everyone who who came along with us. Um, it was a it was a very memorable and and quite a fun draft weekend and can't wait to do it again next year in Vancouver. And I guess that brings us to the end of today's episode. Man, we we packed a lot into this one right here at the end of June. <laughs> there's never a dull moment and and there's, uh, yeah, there's never an off season as we we. Uh, Say has been the mantra for, since since uh, uh, All Habs Hockey Magazine um, debuted. Uh, the mantra mantra is that number one, Habs fans are everywhere, and number two, there's never an off season at All Habs Hockey Magazine. No, there is not. And so the Rocket Sports Media team, the AHL Report team, the All Habs Hockey Magazine teams, we're going to keep working. We've got development camps throughout this week, so be sure to keep an eye on our social media accounts for coverage of of those types of things. We've got free agency on Sunday. um, And then we will be back next week with another episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Uh, thanks so much to Rick for joining me again this week. And thanks so much to you all out there for, for listening and tuning in and following along with us every week. Have a wonderful end of the week for the Canadian listeners out there. Enjoy your Canada day, Canada day. Uh, keep, keep safe, have fun while you're paying attention to the free agency that's going on. And we'll see you back here next week. Have a great week.